You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Uh, grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, if you will, this morning. Uh, the book of Ephesians, we're going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians uh, and have been doing so since the beginning of last year. Uh, if you missed out on any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up at our website at huikala.org. You can subscribe to our podcast uh, and uh, install our, we have a smartphone app for your phone or your tablet. Uh, do it that way if you need to. Uh, just stay caught up on these messages. This is message number 48. So uh, stay on top of these, if you will. Uh, we're gonna be finishing out the book of Ephesians by the end of the summer and we're gonna move on to a new teaching series after that, and so uh, I'd encourage you to, to continue to study through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a beautiful book. It's uh, arranged very neatly in the fact that the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are uh, more doctrinal in nature, who we are in Christ, why we need Jesus, what uh, being in Christ actually means for us, how we were once dead in our trespasses and sin, but now we're alive together in Christ. Um, the last three chapters, which is where we find ourselves this morning, are more practical in nature. Because you're a child of God, now here's how you should live in the difference that that makes in your life. And it's an amazing book. If you've never read through the book of Ephesians, I'd encourage you to do that this week. It'll probably take you less than an hour, even if you're a really, really slow reader. Uh, and it'll be very, very helpful to you uh, in your Christian walk. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we find ourselves this morning. Uh, last week, we took a look at the uh, biblical guidelines for the Christian home. If you missed out on that, uh, that's the first uh, three or so verses here of uh, chapter 6. Uh, we'll read those just so that we have context as far as where we're going. Uh, we'll finish up in verse number 9 here this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse number 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, and all the parents said, amen. Uh, verse number 2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Any masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master is also in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. I got my very first job when I was 16 years old. Uh, there was a, uh, I grew up in a really small town in Kentucky, and really our only claim to fame was it was uh, in the same county as Kentucky Lake, uh, which was a man-made lake where it was famous for catfishing. Uh, and I'm not a fisherman by any stretch of the imagination, but everybody uh, in, in my county liked going to the lake on the weekends and things like that. Summertime, it was crazy on the lake. People would have, uh, go out on boats and things like that. My parents had a boat that we would go out on sometimes, and we'd pull an inner tube behind it and just had a lot of fun. And so there was a resort there on the lake called Moore's Resort, uh, and it was kind of a campground slash cottages, and they had a marina there that had, uh, they were in houseboats and jet skis, and a lot of folks would pull up there and get gas and uh, go up to the restaurant and get lunch and things like that, and it was a jumping place in the summertime, and so it came time to get my first job. I thought to myself, if I could work anywhere, I would want to work at Moore's, be one of the guys down there at the marina, high-fiving people as they get off their boat, uh, pumping gas, jumping in the water, swimming around when it gets hot. Man, that's the kind of job that I want, and so I went up there and applied for it. My big 16-year-old self went up there and told him what job I wanted, right? 
And they took a look at my application and said, you don't really have any work experience. You don't have anything going for you. Uh, and so, uh, I, and I didn't. And uh, they said, we're full on positions at the marina. And that was a bummer for me because I'm thinking to myself, I'm 16 year old. I'm thinking oh, there's gonna be girls there at the marina. I see me like big buff guy like me pumping gas in the summertime. Okay, a little skinny guy like me pumping gas in the summertime at the time. Uh, but I thought to myself in my mind, the marina would be the most glamorous job. And they said, but uh, we do have some openings in the maintenance division. And I'm not really a maintenance guy. I like working with my hands and fixing stuff. So I thought that would be fun to work in maintenance. And so I, I, I applied for that, got the job, and I got hired on at $4.25 an hour. And like, I'm thinking to myself, how am I gonna ever spend all of this money that I'm making this summer? And uh, so what they failed to tell you is that maintenance wasn't really maintenance. It was more cutting grass. Uh, it was more hauling garbage. It was more uh, cleaning up after people and stuff like that. It wasn't really maintenance, maintenance. So it was kind of a bummer of a job. But I enjoyed it. I worked hard. I made a lot of good friends. I sweated a lot. And in the uh, summertime when the girls were uh, getting off the boats and going up to the restaurant to eat, I'm covered with garbage and maggots and fish guts and everything else. It was not a glamorous job at all. And so, uh, but I had fun. And so fast forward, uh, my boys start growing up. And my, my son Thatcher, he gets to be about 15 years old or so, and says, Dad, I want to get a job. And I said, man, just know this. I'm going to tell you the same thing my dad told me. You start working at 15, 16 years old, you're going to work every single day for the rest of your life. Just enjoy being a teenager. Enjoy your teen. No, dad, I want to get a job. And so he, I said, fine, start applying for jobs. And so uh, he went out and applied to every place in town. And he went, he had a, a nice crisp button-up shirt on and everything. He had a nice pressed resume that he had and his folder and binder that he carried. And he walked in, he looked people in the eye and said, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He could not get a job to save his life could not. Uh, and so finally, there was a, a guy who had taken pity on him at the Jack in the Box and said, we don't have anything right now, but check back in with me in a couple of weeks. And so Thatcher marks on his calendar, two weeks from today, I'm going back to the Jack in the Box. And he did. He went back to the Jack in the Box with his binder, leather binder with all of his resumes in it and everything. Hello, I'm back. And the guy says, we don't have anything right now. Check back in a couple of weeks. Came back two weeks later. And the guy said, look, I really don't have a job. I just feel sorry for you. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Poor kid could not get a job to save his life. Finally, when he got in college, college, uh, he got a job at the car wash, uh, working at the car wash. And so uh, keep all of your songs for later, working at the car wash. So, um, but he paid his way through, through college working at the car wash, and it was a good thing. So my son Vanderlei, uh, this summer, the summer before his senior year, says, Dad, I want to get a job. And I go, oh, boy, here we go. And so I said, well, you know, put together some, some resumes and some applications, go out. Finding a job's hard. You know, you're, you're not going to get an uh, interview right away. You're not going to get a job right away. And he's like, well, I'm trying to think of where I want to work. And it's just like, it doesn't work that way when you're 17 and you have no job experience, okay? You need to get whatever you can get. He's like, okay, fine. And so he goes out. He said, uh, there was like two hours before church started on a Wednesday night. He said, hey, can I go out and put out resumes? I said, sure, go. And so he goes, he's not gone 30 minutes, and he calls me back, and he says, uh, I got an interview for tomorrow. And I was just like, where at? In some clothing store at the mall. I go, my word. He calls me like 30 minutes later. Dad, I got a job already. It's just like, <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, I, uh, I start next week at Marshall's, and so he's working at the, the Marshall's over at the mall. And I'm thinking to myself, well, they, they got a good hard worker for minimum wage, stuff like that. He goes, can you believe what I'm making? I was just like, you're probably not making a lot, and it's fine. If you do your work and you show up on time, they're going to, they're going to, he's like, I'm making $14 an hour. $14 an hour? Are you kidding me? You have no job experience whatsoever. They didn't call them your references, your number one reference, because that, $14 an hour. 
And so uh, anyways, he starts orientation there. And he was introduced finally to the real world of employment, right? He goes, Dad, we're in the second day of orientation. Somebody's already gotten fired. I said, what happened? He goes, some guy lied on all of his paperwork and falsified his paperwork, and they found out, and he got fired already. And I go, that's, that's life, man. He's like, can you believe it? I can totally believe it. <laughs> Next day he comes home, Dad, there was a guy that got up in orientation and just walked out and never came back. Can you believe that? Yes, I can believe it. I've worked with people like this before. I can't believe people just do stuff like that. Yes, son, they do. But just know this. You show up on time. You're respectful. You do what people ask of you. You will be a standout employee. Just know that. You're going to be top of cream of the crop. Like his third day on the floor there, they called me in the manager's office and told me I'm doing a great job and keep it up and maybe there's a chance of promotion. <laughs> promotion to what? <laughs> and then I'm thinking to myself, you got smart people that are managers there, right? They're telling a little 17-year-old, keep up your good work. There might be a future for you here. It's just like, come on. And so, but I told him, hey, look, you know what you've done so far? You've showed up to work on time. You've done what they've asked you to do and you haven't caused any problems. In the world that we live in today, that's incredibly rare in our uh, employment uh, uh, environment that we have today. Workplaces are full of drama. I don't know about you guys, but workplace drama, those two words go together like chocolate chip and cookies. Um, why is that? Because people are looking out for themselves. Did you know that the Bible talks about how we should work and what the workplace looks like for us? This passage that we took a look at this morning, the context in which it was written, it's important to understand context and how we can draw a parallel application for our own lives. This passage was written to slaves and slave owners. In biblical times, slaves were property. They had no rights whatsoever. Uh, if a, uh, a slave was out in the middle of the field and passed out, you just hope that he gets better and you just move on and buy another slave if you need to. They were expendable property. And so Paul, as he's writing to uh, the church at Ephesus here, he's writing some groundbreaking things. Hey, slaves, treat your masters with respect. Hey, slave owners, treat your slaves not as properties, but as you think the Lord would have you to treat them. Uh, the book of Philemon was written to a slave owner that Paul knew. And then he had a slave that had run away uh, that Paul says, hey, when you receive him back, don't receive him back as property, but receive him back as your brother in Christ. Because there's no direct application for us here, direct application, in the fact that we no longer have slaves, and we say praise God for that. But we do see an application here, a kind of a parallel application of what the workplace environment should look like with Christians. Because Christians live our lives differently. Now, the book of Ephesians was written to a church full of Christians. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, let me explain to you really quickly what that means. It means this, that we were born selfish, self-centered, sinful human beings. That's who we are by very nature. Uh, the Bible says we came forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. That from the very beginning, we've gone against God's rules and God's plans for our life. And we've gone our own way and done our own thing. And the Bible says that makes us sinners. And more importantly than that, it makes us enemies of God. Because God has rules and we broke them. The Bible says the consequences of breaking God's sin is death, for the wages of sin is death. That means that we're all gonna die one day physically. We'll take our last breath and we will pass on from this life to the next. And then the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then after that, the judgment. 
Every single person in this room will stand before God one day and we'll have to give an account of our life, the Bible says. And if we are left in our sin and we continue on the way that we were from the time we were born, the Bible says there is coming a punishment for our sin called the second death. The second death is a place called hell that burns with real fire for all of eternity and there's no getting out of that, no second chances after hell that we are separated from God forever because of our sin. I deserve that and you do too. The Bible says that's the wages of our sin. But the good news, best news you've ever heard in your entire life is Jesus came and lived a perfectly sinless life and died in your place. You see, I was supposed to die, you were supposed to die, but Jesus said, I'll die in their place. And the Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And if you and I would be willing to allow Jesus to pay for our sins and turn from our sin, the Bible says that we can be saved. It's a good Bible word, saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from our sin, saved from hell, saved from death. You see, I don't fear a physical death because the Bible tells me after I die physically comes eternal life. I'm really looking forward to that. Now, I'm not trying to die today or next week or anything like that, but I'm, I don't fear death. I still, I still uh, ride with a seatbelt on and I still obey the crosswalk for the most part. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to die, but I don't fear death because I know my sin is forgiven based on what Jesus Christ has already done for me. Every song that we sang this morning talks about that, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and how he died for us. Man, what a beautiful story. But it doesn't stop there. Here's the bummer for many Christians. They think to themselves, whoo, man, the load is off. My sin is cared for. I'm going to heaven when I die. I can just sit back and do what I want now. But the Bible says that's not the case at all. That when we become a Christian, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he has saved us from our sin, now we're a new creature. The Bible says the old person has died a new person now lives. And we, the Bible says in Romans chapter uh, six, we are raised to walk in newness of life. You get a new beginning now. You start a new life now. Things are different now. And now for the rest of your life, you're not trying not to go to hell because that's already been taken care of. You're not trying to live a good enough life so that maybe God will let you into heaven because you can't be good enough to get to heaven. For the rest of your life now, you get to learn what it means to be an obedient child of your heavenly father and the bible here's the great thing about the bible the bible tells you how to do that step by step and so here in this passage this morning it's talking about how our workplace relationships should be why because we're different now christian you should stand out in the workplace head and shoulders above everybody else that's what the bible says the bible says you should be the most dependable the most reliable the most honest the person of the most character because you are different than everyone else and that's a gift that we have. Before we jump into the actual text of the message this morning, it's important to understand that our primary work is serving Jesus. The job that you have, the job that I have that is of the most eternal significance is serving Jesus Christ. Your vocation, your job that you do that puts money in your checking account every payday is simply a means to an end to serve Jesus. I'll say that again. Your vocation is simply a means to an end to serve Jesus. The actual work that you do could be inconsequential. 
Uh, for some people, uh, you might work at uh, Starbucks making drinks. You might think to yourself, that doesn't really have any eternal significance. Know this, uh, your vocation as a barista does not define who you are as a person. There's a bigger purpose. It's way bigger than that. <laughs> you might think, well, I do really great work. I'm a scientist or I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer or I'm an engineer and uh, I, I do really important stuff. Know this, the things that you do of, of importance here in this world pale in significance to the eternal impact that God wants you to have. There's a bigger picture out there is what I'm trying to say. So sometimes people get bummed out because, oh, I'm stuck in a dead-end job. Know this, God has you where he has you for a purpose, and your primary work is serving Jesus. And so if you're bummed out by the job that you have that you do Monday through Friday, uh, then do this. Make working for Jesus your number one job, and the rest is just kind of your side gig that you have. Whatever work that you do to put money in the bank is just a means to an end to serve Jesus. You see, our vocation is our opportunity to provide for ourselves and for our family. My vocation that I do just allows me the financial resources I need to take care of myself and take care of my family. If your goal is to be rich in life, your priorities are messed up, simple as that. The Bible says he that desires to be rich will fall into a snare or a trap. Know this, money's a trap. I've met so many rich, miserable people in my life, miserable. And I can't tell you how many broke, joyful Christians I've met before. It's, it, there's no relation to, to joy and money. If there's anything, there's an inverse relationship for what we think that it should be. But your work, your vocation is your means for you to provide for yourself and to provide for your family. Our vocation is an opportunity for us to bless others, to be able to take the things that God gives me and be a blessing to other people. I was thankful one of our uh, folks brought me, uh, works at a place where they have ice cream and brought me a, a, thing, a cooler full of ice cream on Friday night. God bless America is all I got to say. You know, this person was doing, hey, this is my job. I wanna use my vocation to bless other people. And so this is my opportunity to serve other people, to love other people through the work that I do. Most importantly, our vocation is our opportunity to give God glory. Again, wherever you're at in the work that you do, just know this, it's, you're there on purpose for a purpose. And our primary purpose as human beings is to give God glory in everything that we do. And so your vocation that you have is your opportunity to give God glory. And hey, you might be the only Christian in your workplace. You might be the only real Christian that people will ever know. And God's given you the opportunity in a unique way to give him glory. Now, just by a show of hands, you don't have to be embarrassed because we're amongst friends here today. How many of you would say the, the job that I'm currently doing is my dream job. This is as good as it could possibly get. If I could write my own script for my life, this is be where I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Raise your hand. Good. 7% of us, right? <laughs> awesome, good for you. How many of you would say, it's okay, not my dream gig, but I'm thankful that I have a job. Raise your hand. There you go. How many of you say, I absolutely dread getting up and going to work every day. I hate my life. Is that you, anybody? <laughs> Nobody's that honest this morning, right? <laughs> Some of you are thinking like, yep, I'm not gonna raise my hand, but that's totally me right now. Take heart. For those of you that have found your dream job, good. Keep doing what you're doing and give God glory for it. For those of you who say, not my dream gig, but I'm thankful that I have a job and, and just doing what I'm doing. Hey, this is your opportunity, where you're at right now, to serve Jesus by giving God glory. Golden opportunity that you have. Chances are you work with people that don't know Jesus. Chances are you work with people that don't believe.
believe in the God that you and I believe in. And this is your opportunity to show them what a real Christian looks like. Too often we allow our vocation to define who we are. Well, I'm just this. Well, I'm just that. Uh, even this morning as I was meeting some first-time guests, I asked them, hey, what kind of work do you do? Uh, because for whatever reason, that's a good conversation starter and we talk about common interests that we have and stuff like that. And sometimes people are embarrassed to say what they do. Well, uh, I- I'm just a, a-, a checkout clerk at launch. No, you are a servant of Jesus Christ and you've been given a golden opportunity to influence other people's lives. Wherever you are, regardless of what you do, God has put you there for purpose on purpose. Uh, And if you have a job, be thankful that you have a job. If you receive income, be thankful for whatever you receive. Steward it well. Give God glory through it. But you're where you are because God has put you there. Next, as we take a look at this uh, passage of Scripture, take a look at verse number five. Servants will be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and the singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. I want to challenge you this morning to use your work as worship. Some people think these words don't even belong in the same sentence together. And let me just help you understand what the word worship means. Unfortunately, many times the word uh, worship has gotten the connotation of singing in church on a Sunday morning. Uh, That could be part of our corporate worship that we have together, but that doesn't embody what the word worship means. If you were to do a Google image search of the word worship, you would find someone uh, usually standing with their hands up like this, and we would think of that as as worship. Could that be worship? Possibly, but that doesn't begin to embody what the word worship means. The word worship means to bow down face forward in front of someone. And so to lay completely flat with your face on the ground would be the definition of the word worship. Now, when we worship God, we don't necessarily, it's not so much about a bodily position as much as it is a heart position. My heart is bowed low before God. I recognize how great, how awesome, and how majestic the God of the universe is, and I realize how infinitely small I am in relation to that, and then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. That when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died. Why? To take away my sin. What happens then? Then sings my soul. Oh, how awesome, how majestic, how incredible God is. Worship is that heart attitude. God is awesome and I'm just infinitesimally small. That when I go to work tomorrow, I can worship through my work by recognizing God put me here because he wants to use me here. That I might be the only Bible-believing Christian in my entire office, but you know what? I'm gonna make Jesus look good this week. That's what worship looks like. And I can use my work as a worship unto God. You see, our attitude towards work is actually a hard issue. When you think about just the idea of work, the things that come up really are an indication of your heart. Some people are so fired up about work, you can't wait to get there tomorrow because you got stuff to do and you know you're gonna make a difference. Some people are dreading work tomorrow because you got things that were supposed to get done that didn't get done yet. Some of you are gonna work on work this afternoon because you, even though you're not getting paid for it because you just wanna get caught up and be ready for what's coming down. And your attitude towards your work is always gonna be a hard issue. 
Christians, we should praise God that we have a job. We should praise God that God's given us an opportunity to influence others, that God's given us an opportunity to have an impact in the life of other people. It says here in, in uh, verse number five, in trembling and singleness of your heart, my attitude towards work is a heart issue. For Christians, we follow directions even when it's difficult. The Bible says that we are to be obedient to them that are our masters. Your boss tells you to do something, just do it. Well, I don't think it should be done that way. Then you should find a job where you are the boss and you get to do things your way. Well, I don't think it should be done that way. Great. When you decide that you can be the person that makes those calls, you can make those calls, but until then, you do what you're asked to do. Simple as that. The Bible says, again, verse number uh, five here, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. First uh, Peter chapter two, verse number 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only the good and the gentle, but also the froward. Peter goes one step further and say, hey, obey your boss even when there are crummy bosses. Hey, all of us, when we work for good people, we're just like, I love going to work. I love my boss. He's awesome. Oh, man, he is so understanding. It's easy to follow them. The Bible says we should follow the people who are even crummy bosses. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm gonna help you with something. Your life is not about you. Your life is about giving God glory that he's due. So at the end of the day, you and I are just, some of you, this is gonna rub you the wrong way, but I'm gonna say it to you anyways, because I love you. You and I are simply tools to give God glory. That's it. And think about this. If it's our job to reflect God's glory in our workplace and we're not doing that, then we're not fulfilling the role that God's given us. We're not living up to our potential that God's called us as Christians to be. Well, pastor, you don't know my boss. I don't need to know your boss. I just need to know what the Bible says. And the Bible says if he tells you to do something, you just do it. And if you don't like it, find another job that you can succeed in, uh, another place where you feel fulfilled in. And you might say, well, I don't have that luxury. Then, then just trust God's word and be a salt and light in your workplace. The Bible says that Christians treat their coworkers with respect. If you take a look at verse number five, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Now, it doesn't mean be afraid of, of those that you work with. Those words fear and trembling means honor and respect. I want to treat my coworkers with respect. I want to treat them with kindness. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. Well, you don't know what they're, I don't need to know, I just need to know what the Bible says. I want to treat them with kindness and respect. And know this, negativity in the workplace is contagious. You start talking trash about your coworkers, everybody's going to pile onto that. But you know what's also contagious? Positivity. Hey, man, uh, did you see what Tom did last week? Man, he absolutely knocked it out of the park with that presentation. That was awesome. Well, I saw one of his slides was misspelled. Yeah, but did you see the presentation he gave? Man, props to Tom for that. Good stuff. That's contagious, too. And here's the thing, too. When people know that you're not the type of person who will hear gossip, they're going to shut it off, too. It's Because when people come to me and go, can you believe what so-and-so said? What makes you think I was the type of person that wants to hear that kind of stuff? What makes you think that I'm the type of person that thinks that's okay? Now, I'm gonna shut that down. Hey, you got a problem with, with Tom's presentation? Let's go talk to Tom about it. Well, no, I was just saying, well, don't say it. Hey, if you got a problem with Tom, we'll go talk to Tom. If not, zip it. Because 
I'm going to treat Tom with honor, respect, fear, and trembling, the Bible says. And I'm telling you this, if you just do what the Bible says, you'll be head and shoulders above every other person that you work with. Why? Because these types of things, we would say are common sense, but unfortunately, common sense isn't so common anymore for whatever reason. So treat people with kindness, honor, respect. <laughs> ben and I came home uh, from, uh, you know, mind you, he's been working at Marshall's for all of like three weeks. He came home the other day and said, Dad, I got cussed out at work the other day. And he's just like, really? He goes, yeah, some lady wanted to return something. I told her we couldn't return it, and she went off on me. She went off on my manager, and she went to my manager, went off on her. And while she's going off on her, her manager, my manager, she keeps going off on me. He goes, like, all the customers, like, step back. He goes, we had to call mall security and everything. Dad, it was crazy. I go, what'd you do? He goes, I just stood back there and kind of smiled. <laughs> yes, I love it. Please know, this will not be the first or the last time you get cussed out at work. <laughs> Welcome to the employment in America. Uh, but here's the thing. Unique, why? Because we treat people with, with kindness and respect. That automatically makes us stand out if we just do things God's way. We walk with, uh, we treat everyone with kindness to show them the love, I'm um, sorry, um, I skipped some notes here. Sorry, I gotta find my place again. Uh, Christians, oh, Christians work is under Jesus. Know this, that your boss is not really your boss. Your big boss is Jesus. That's what verse number uh, five says here. In fear and trembling and singleness of heart, verse number five at the end of that, as unto Christ. So when I go to work tomorrow, I'm gonna work like Jesus was my boss and he's actually gonna be the one filling out my review come the end of the quarter. I'm gonna act like Jesus is actually paying my paycheck because he is really. I'm gonna act like I'm working for Jesus, not my boss. You know why? Because if you got a crummy boss, it's gonna be hard to work for him. So I'm just gonna work to please Jesus instead. That's what the Bible says we should do, that as unto Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse number 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That the work that we do is actually a reflection of our Christian character. The work that I do, the, the things that I'm known for are actually a reflection not only of myself and my work, but by a reflection of my faith in Christ. Here's another thing Christians do. Christians work hard. We work hard. You know why? Because we recognize we're not working for ourselves, we're working for somebody else. And Christians do things the right way the first time. You say, well, I know some Christians that aren't. Then they need to get on board with what the Bible says. Because the Bible challenges us to do that. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse number 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. You know what Ecclesiastes nine says? Work hard because you're gonna die one day and you won't get a chance to work anymore. We say, amen. But until then, until you die, work hard. You have the opportunity to reflect God's goodness. Colossians chapter three, verse number 23, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So Christians work hard. Christians do quality work. We do it right the first time, even if somebody's not gonna check on it. We stay until five o'clock, even if nobody else in the office does. Why? Because we walk with integrity. We're not gonna skim a couple of bucks when we get the chance to. Why? Because we're gonna walk with character. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse number 22 also says, Servants, obey your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but singleness of heart, fearing God. Every single one of us has worked with somebody who works really hard when the boss is around. Oh man, when the boss is around, they're tearing it up, they're killing it. But the second the boss walks out the door, they sit down, they grab their phone, they start uh, texting people, they start scrolling Facebook. Hear the boss come in, jump back up, close all your browser tabs, get back at it, start doing work. Every person who's ever worked with somebody like that knows those people are a drag. Those people are holding the team back. And we've got names for them that we probably can't say in church, people like that. But you know what the Bible calls them? Men pleasers. Oh, you want everybody to think that you're something when you're really not. With eye service. In other words, they're only working when somebody's watching. You take your eyes off of them, they're not, not working anymore. Uh, there was a guy who had came uh, and helped us whenever we were renovating our, uh, our old uh, building space that we had over there uh, where our super church kiddos are this morning. He came over uh, to help, and he's just like, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about construction, but I'm a hard worker. I go, man, just come. I got stuff for you to do. So I'd say, hey, sweep this pile over here. He'd sweep the pile, and the second he was done sweeping the pile, he'd sit down on a bucket. Dude, look around. This place is trashed, man. Like, okay, now that you swept up that pile, put it in the garbage. Okay, put it in the dustpan, throw it in there, sit back down on the bucket. All right, I need you to go over there and, and clean those windows over there. Okay, clean the windows, sit back down on the bucket. It's just like, good grief, man. Did anybody ever teach you how to work? Obviously not. Those are not the types of Christians we need to be. We need the people that are getting it done. Hey, if something gets done, I'm gonna give it to so-and-so because I know they'll do it right the first time and I don't even have to check their work because they work with character and integrity. This is what Christians should be. Here's the drag. You work with Christians, and I do too, that don't pull their weight, that don't do these types of things. Those are the Christians that make Jesus look bad. And, and please understand, it's very hard to make Jesus look bad because he's so good. But Christians who are backbiting, gossipers, lazy, who do halfway work, those people cast a negative light on Christians who want to do things God's way. You see, we not only use our work as worship, we also use our work as witness. If you work with people that don't know Jesus, and chances are you probably do, we want them to know the God that we know, and we're gonna do that by sharing our faith, by inviting them to church, by giving them a track, inviting them to our Easter services, or inviting them to our open house coming up in October, or just constantly being uh, talking about things of the Lord. We wanna use that as an opportunity to be able to share our faith with them and witness to a certain degree, but we get to use our work as a witness as well. Take a look at verse number seven, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You see, we do good to show the heart of Jesus. I don't wanna be a good guy just to be known as a good guy. I wanna be known as a good guy because I serve a good God. I want people to know, hey, he's a Christian, he's different. At the gym that I work out, people know that, that I'm a Christian. And because of that, they don't play music with cursing in it. Because of that, they don't uh, curse around me. Or if they do curse around me, they apologize for it. They have questions about, uh, you know, hey, I, I got an uncle that's going in for, for surgery. Could you pray for him? I can do that. Why? Because I've worked to have a faithful witness there. Let's just go into the gym. No, it's more than that. Everything I do in my life is part of my Christian witness. Everything I do is to tell people about Jesus. Why? Because my life is not about me. It's about Jesus. And you say, well, that's fine because you're a pastor. That's not a pastor thing. That's a Christian thing. 
Every Christian should have that mindset. I do what I do because I want God to look good. I do what I do because I want God to get glory. And we treat people with kindness to show them the love of God. When I'm kind, loving, compassionate with other people, even people who don't deserve it, I get to show the heart of God. I get to show people what Jesus was really like. Bible says in uh, James chapter two, verse number eight, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as a transgressor. The Bible has a lot to say about those who respect people. And the Bible says that our God is not a respecter of persons. Hey, if you're a multimillionaire, God loves you as much as he loves a person who's uh, $10,000 in the hole today. Equal footing. If you are very successful in your career, God loves you just as much as the person who has 12 jobs, has had 12 jobs and doesn't currently have one. God loves you just as much. He's not a respecter of persons. When you go to work tomorrow, you need to love your boss the same way that you love the person who just got hired. You treat the person at the front desk with the same uh, level of respect as you do the person with the corner office because God's not a respecter of person. We get to show the character of God. Uh, we, our family eats out more than we ever possibly should. Uh, but uh, every time we do, we try to treat people with respect. Hey, if, I, if I, I go to a restaurant and I receive average service, I'm gonna tip very, very well because with that, uh, that tip, I'm gonna leave a gospel track. I wanna make Jesus look good. I've, I've seen people post on the internet before where, where Christians do this terrible thing where they, they don't tip and they write a, a nasty note on there. I give God 10%, why would I give you 20? It's just like, don't do that. Good grief, don't do that. I've seen people that leave fake, uh, their, their gospel tracks that look like $20 bills and they leave that in there instead of a, a tip. Don't do that. You make Jesus look bad. Uh, don't do that. If you, and here's the thing. If you don't want to tip or you want to be a crummy tipper or you want to treat people with disrespect, I have some Jehovah's Witness Watchtower magazines that I could give you to leave at the table, okay? <laughs> For heaven's sakes, do not leave a who we call a track, okay? Do not do it. But here's the thing. The person that's waiting at my table, I, I want to show them that I love them, I appreciate them, and I want to show them a great amount of respect, why? Because God loves everybody. God respects everybody. And there's nobody in God's economy that's more than someone else. And so when I treat my, my manager with respect, but I treat my coworker with disrespect, that's at odds with the character of Jesus. But when I treat the guy who's emptying out my garbage can with the same level of respect that I treat the guy who owns the company, that's the heart of Jesus Christ. Treat everyone with honor and respect. We walk with integrity to point people to Christ. Again, verse number seven, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Hey, our boss shouldn't have to worry about the uh, expense report being fudged a little bit because he knows we're a Christian and we walk with integrity. And just know this, if you're willing to sell out your integrity for a hundred bucks this paycheck, you need to check your heart, you really do. If you're willing to lie or cheat or deceive to get ahead in your career, you need to check your heart. If you think by putting other people down 
or negating the accomplishments of other people around you helps lift you up to get you further up the ladder, you really need to step back and check your heart. Because I would rather never advance in my career and walk with integrity than to get to the top and know that I got there in a really dirty way. And so walk with integrity because that points other people to Christ. Titus chapter two, verse number nine, exhort servants to be obedient under their masters and to please them well in all things. Not answering again, not talking back, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our savior in all things. Walk with integrity because you point people to Jesus and you validate everything that the Bible says about how Christians live. This, this is huge. But here's the great thing about work is if we use work as our witness, we use work as our worship, we do things God's way, work brings God's blessings. God blesses me as a result of my work to him. Now, as a result of the fall of man, Man's job originally in the Garden of Eden was to just keep the, uh, keep the garden, uh, keep everybody uh, in the garden uh, happy. Uh, that's it. Just enjoy it. But because of the fall of man, God cursed man to, to work by the sweat of his brow. That's man's curse that we have upon men to work. But here's the great thing about how great our God is, that even though working by the sweat of our brow is the curse that we, that's been put upon us because of the sin of Adam, God chooses to bless us despite that curse. That God wants to use the work that you do to bless you, to bless your family, and to bless other people. The Bible is, we, we only have time to take a look at a few verses that the Bible talks about work. Colossians chapter three, verse 24, knowing that the Lord, that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Hey, your work that you do it, do it well because you'll receive a reward because you're really just working for Jesus instead. Proverbs chapter 10, uh, verse number four, he that becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent shall he make rich. Now understand, this is not a prosperity verse in the fact that if you work, you're gonna get rich. It just says, do things, do it well, be diligent, and God will bless you. And I'm telling you this, God promises to bless work. Uh, now, God blesses a lot of other things too. God blesses obedience, God blesses prayer, all that's a, a package deal. But just know this, if you sit at home and watch Netflix and don't go to work, God's not gonna bless your family, okay? It doesn't work that way. God blesses work. And if we treat others at our workplace with honor, integrity, respect, people to Christ, God has promised to also bless that as well. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 24, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Hey, you wanna be lazy, you're always gonna have someone over you. But if you do things the right way and work diligently, God promises to uh, advance you. Proverbs 13, four, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. God says, hey, you work, I'm gonna take care of you. You do things my way, I'm gonna bless you. You reflect my honor and glory, I'm going to honor you in everything that you do. A few final thoughts here in regards to our work. First of all, does the quality of my work reflect my love of Jesus? Does the quality of my work reflect my love for Jesus? You know, I've known people before who have said, well, I'm only getting paid about half of what I should get paid for this position, so I'm gonna do about half as much work. Hmm. Then you reflect your view of what you think you're getting paid. Your work reflects that. I want my work to reflect my love for Jesus. Hey, maybe I'm getting paid less than I think that I should, but I'm gonna do this because it honors the Lord. 
does the quality of your work reflect your love for Jesus? And some of you might be sitting here today, I'm thinking of uh, folks like my wife who she stays home and takes care of our kids. Know this, that's a job, okay? Uh, She hasn't gotten her paycheck in 20 years, uh, but it's a job, 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 okay? Uh, And if that's your job to to make sure that everything in the house stays in in order uh, the way that it should, does the quality of your work reflect your love for Jesus? Are you serving in that capacity, uh, serving Jesus through that work that you do? Are others drawn to Jesus by the way that you work? Do you stand out in your work ethic and the quality of your work so that people are drawn to Christ? Or are you that person? He says he's a Christian, but I hear him cussing up a storm all the time. He says he's a Christian, but man, don't turn your back on him. He'll he'll talk bad about you behind your back. I heard him the other day running so-and-so down. (laughs) He says he's a Christian, but I'm telling you this, the work that he does is subpar, to say the least. Don't be that person because, again, know this. If you're a bum at your work, you make yourself look bad. You won't care what other people think about me. Great. Secondly, you make Jesus look bad, and you should really care about that. Thirdly, if you attend this church, you make our church look bad. Think about that. You make the body of Christ look bad. Think about this. Hey, there's somebody I've been working on. I've been trying to get him to church been telling them about our church, been inviting them to church, been sharing my faith with them. I've been working on them for months to get them to church. And they finally show up and they're going, oh, good grief. Joe goes to church here? Oh, wow. He's over there singing How Great Thou Art. You should see him on Sunday mo- Monday morning. He's singing a way different tune on Monday morning. What does that do now? That hurts the cause of Christ. Hey, look, this whole thing is way bigger than you. This is about eternity. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about God's glory. That's what's at stake here when you go to work tomorrow and you clock in. When you put your uniform in and you show up for work tomorrow morning. When you get up and you go to school tomorrow or you get up and you go to wherever God has you, this is what's at stake, the glory of God and an eternal impact. Next, does the way that I treat my coworkers appropriately reflect the character of Jesus? That's a hard one. Does the way that I treat my coworkers appropriately reflect the character of Jesus? And let me just tell you this. You say, well, yeah, I work with a bunch of knuckleheads. Hey, Jesus walked with 12 knuckleheads everywhere he went. Everywhere he went. Well, I know we got this guy at work that doesn't know when to shut up. Yeah, Jesus did too. His name was Peter, right? We have this guy who thinks he's all that, who thinks that he should be like in charge of everything. Yeah, Jesus had those two. Their names were James and John. And they thought that they were so that that their mom came to talk to Jesus. Remember that story? How my boys James and John were wondering, can they sit on your left and right hand when you get into your kingdom? And, and Jesus goes, do you guys think you're able that, to do that? And they go, yeah, we are. We're good. Jesus worked with knuckleheads. How did he treat them? With love respect. Simple as that. Jesus is our model for everything that we do. I'll say that again. Jesus is our model for everything that we do. And does my relationship with my coworkers appropriately reflect the character of Jesus? Final thought. Does my work bring glory to God? Does what I'm doing point people to Christ? If 
the end goal of man is to glorify God in everything that we do? If Revelation chapter four, verse number 11 is true, and it is where it says that we were created for God's pleasure, does the way that you work, the work that you do, does it bring glory to God? And you may say, well, well I'm in a meaningless position. There are no meaningless positions in the kingdom of God. If you're a child of God, God's given you a meaningful position to advance his glory where you're at. Are you doing that? I hope tomorrow you walk in with a new sense of purpose at your job. There's a man who attended uh, church here, was a member of our church, faithful guy. I just uh, got an email from this past week. He was uh, up for promotion. He was uh, up for 06 in the army. And so the uh, promotion board was getting ready, had already met. Results were coming out on the weekend. And um, he was really, really excited, really a little bit nervous because if he didn't get promoted, he had to retire. And so he'd been in, I forget, 20-something years at that point. And he says, if I, if I don't get advanced, I got to retire. And so he had a lot riding on it. His entire life, his entire adult life poured into his career. Results come out, didn't get advanced. What did he do? He got up that morning, went to Leonard's and bought three dozen malasadas. He goes through the front gate at work, drops off a dozen malasadas with the guys at the gate. Goes into his building that he works in where he checks in at the front desk, leaves a dozen malasadas. Goes to his workplace in the office, table sitting there, leaves a dozen malasadas. He says, hey guys, I brought malasadas today. Why did he do that? Because he realized it wasn't about him. You see, if it had been about him, he would have had a crummy attitude. He would have been bitter with everybody. He would have been angry. He would have went to his bosses that probably didn't give him the evals that he wanted. Maybe didn't groom him the way that he should have for his, for his career. Maybe didn't say the things about him that they should have said or, or pulled the strings that they should have pulled for him. And he could have had a crummy attitude. But you know what he did? He said, hey, it's been a great ride. God's been good to me. I've gotten farther in my career than I ever thought that I would have before. It's been really good. I'm looking forward to the next journey, like the journey that I have. You know, he and his wife, uh, uh, he just retired from, from the Army this past spring. Uh, got a job as a civilian doing something a lot less stressful. And uh, you know what he's doing? He's in church giving God glory because he realized his career didn't define him. Being a child of God defined him. Uh, a rank on his lapel didn't define who he was. His service to Jesus defined who he was. And he continues to serve Jesus with joy. We have to have that mindset. It's not about me. It's not about me advancing myself. It's about me advancing the kingdom of God. It's about giving God glory. Now, the most important thing in the world is if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're a Christian, all of this is just details um, until you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I'm not 100% sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Please don't leave here today until you know for sure that you're saved and that heaven is your home. For those of us that are Christians, hey, this week, let's take a step up in our reflection of God's glory. Let's take a step up in our workplace. Hey, let's see who we can positively impact this week for the cause of Christ. Maybe somebody could just use a kind word of encouragement. Maybe somebody could use uh, uh, some, some uh, 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 I don't know, a knuckle bump, a high five, a, a, hey, attaboy. Maybe you shoot somebody an email and say, hey, thanks for the impact you've had on my life. Hey, it's great having coworkers like you who always have my back. I don't know what it is, but I know all of us could do something this week in our workplace that would advance the glory of God. Let's do that this week.